General Nerdery. Welcome to the General Nerdery podcast for gifted youngsters. We're youngsters again? No. I am. Look, no one with my hairline counts as a youngster. (laughs) Are you Professor X? I hope you have survived the experience. (laughs) I just needed to finish the line. um, (laughs) So... It's like one of my favorite X-Men tropes of welcome to the X-Men. Hope you survive the experience because no one does. True. They usually come back, though. Oh, yeah. There's a there. I don't remember what it was, but some comic of someone being like, I can't deal with people dying and coming back. And Wolverine going, you would hate the (laughs) 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 X-Men. Which, hmm, buddy, Uh, welcome to General Nerdery, a podcast about liking things. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And in case you haven't picked this up, we will be discussing the X-Men. Yeah. Although a little bit more specifically than that. But we'll get into that later, Uh because we have things to get through first. The first thing is, what have we been ingesting? I actually was listening to it on the way, like, when I came in the door, I was still listening to it. I just started it. It's called... uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald. And it is Donald oh. Faison and Zach Braff. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing his last name. Uh, Donald I think it's Faison. Faison. Doing a Scrubs watch through together and just telling stories and stuff. And Scrubs is such an important show for me. Like mm-hmm. just uh, kind of inspiring things that I like and like how I like to tell stories and stuff that it's really it's really uh, fun so far, and I'm only partway through the second episode. So, so far, it's pretty good, but... Nice. Nice. I don't, yeah, I've actually heard good things about it. Like, I don't do many, like, episode-by-episode episode rewatch shows, so mm-hmm. it's interesting. And considering that one of the podcasts we haven't launched yet is I'm trying to do a chapter-by-chapter chapter book review... Not of something that I fucking wrote or starred in, so it's very different, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm trying to listen here and being like, what do I like? If you had wrote or starred in it, this would be a very different dynamic. No, because I would be Frank fucking Herbert. Yes. <laughs> Talk about that once we actually have some episodes edited. That's not what Tyler. Anyways, what about you? What have you been ingesting? Um, it has not been a couple weeks for really taking in anything new for the most part. That happens. Um, I mean, this is like the only new thing I had. I read, I read some Ghost Rider just to sort of do some homework for upcoming new bylands, trying to narrow some, uh, some down that we might do in the future there. Send me a text when I get home tonight. I'm putting this on the air so we will remember it. Because <laughs> literally all we have to do to get that show launched is for me to email you our, our theme song. And I have messed that up for like three weeks now. <laughs> what else have I ingested? I got my I got my second shot. Does that count as ingesting? That counts. That's great. I mean, <laughs> That's part of the reason why it hasn't been much of a week for like new things. Because... I did not get near as sick as some people I've heard about from the second one. But you were not feeling great. But Friday night, I was out of it. And so it was a weekend of let's comfort Tyler again and (laughs) rewatch all of Ted Lasso again. You know, that's actually perfect that you're mentioning Ted Lasso again since Scrubs is also Bill Lawrence. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to find Ted Lasso like I really need to. And, um, oh, and I got... I think completely caught up on the uh, 
uh, city planner plays city builders bluffside cross. Oh yeah, you recommended that a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, there's 55 episodes, I think, so far for just the Bluffside Crossing. I I haven't started on his other builds yet. He has one that's like Verde Beach, I think. That's a vanilla build where he uses no mods that I'm actually probably going to start now. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest obsession you've picked up. Uh, what Ghost Rider? I'm just... The uh, early 2000s Daniel Way. Oh, yeah, I read some of that. I was, since we're doing a Ghost Rider episode, I was trying to find, like, early Ghost Rider stuff. It is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I have that Marvel app, and I just need to remember it it exists. It makes it super easy. (laughs) It makes it a lot easier. It makes it super easy. But, like, there is not a collected edition of the original Ghost Rider comics that I can Mm. find. Interesting. The comic we should do, we shouldn't actually do this, but the comic we should do is the one where he meets Jesus. And they were forced to change the storyline to, it wasn't actually Jesus, it was the devil. (laughs) But, oh God, this is my favorite stupid ghostwriter fact. Uh, uh, I can't think of the writer who was writing at the time. I'm pretty sure he's the guy who created Black Lightning. I don't know. Um, He got super mad because he wanted it that Ghost Rider got purified and he could still like summon the Ghost Rider, but was now like working from the powers of heaven instead of hell. Okay. Yeah. And he got really mad that Marvel wouldn't let him do this, but Marvel's like, no, the entire point of this is he is possessed by a demon and rides motorcycles. Like it was a little, we can talk about it. (laughs) We have a whole nother podcast where we're going to be going deeper into Ghost Rider for at least an episode. So, Two or three, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get to that. I have thoughts already, but oh, God, they can God. be saved. <laughs> um, so this week, we suck at doing this sometimes, and neither of us showed up with news. Both of us forgot about... I don't know why it is so much harder to do General Nerdery since we switched to bi-weekly. Like, I thought it'd be a lot less stressful, but I just don't think about things because i'm like oh i got two weeks and then like somewhere around the week mark i forget and yeah go, oh no oh no uh so we both tyler sat down and he's like i gotta work on the news a bitch bit bitch uh, <laughs> and i literally oh shit and we're like okay we're just so we're not gonna do our fantastic four of the week this week that's on us we'll get back into this guys but we did watch are we a- newsless no we did watch a couple of trailers just to have something. And because I like watching trailers. Trailers are fun. They can be, yeah. Um, so we watched we three watched, trailers before we started, right? Yeah, we watched In the Heights, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Snyder Cut. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, let's ta- Let's go In the Heights first. Okay, that makes Have you listened to In the Heights, the soundtrack yet? I know I have encouraged it to you after I... Hamilton. After Hamilton, I started listening to it. Okay. I enjoyed what I listened to it. I probably got a little under a quarter of the way through it. I was having a hard time following it without visuals, and so I've been super excited for this movie to come out. It is, unlike Hamilton, where the whole thing is musical, I think there has to be more talky scenes in this, because I looked up what happened in a few points where I'm like, that, they do not sing about that moment, so... There, there's something there. So I've been excited for this so that I can get the whole experience mm-hmm. in a way. 
I am super excited that uh, Anthony Anthony Ramos is the lead. Yeah. Uh, because I mentioned when we talked about Hamilton that I have opinions sometimes on voice parts and timbres and tones and how they should fit in with the and rest of the production. Not actually a huge fan of Lynn's voice. Uh, and um, upon listening to Hamilton for about the 200th time, I'm like... I know what my problem is. Ramos should have been Hamilton. <laughs> uh, Lynn is in this, even though he didn't direct it or anything. He's he clearly cares about it in the heist. He's clearly not as attached to it, mm -hmm. but he's playing the Paragua man. OK, which is a nice way that they can have him. And it's just a s couple of small scenes, so he doesn't have to devote all of his like a huge amount of his time to making this. Also, he's you know 15 years older, probably than when. He made in the Heights. Uh, who else from the Hamilton cast did I notice in there? I saw Washington. I can't remember his name. Uh, yes, but he doesn't. I don't think he appears much. I think they have a few like cameos because he was also in in the Heights. Right. He plays Benny, who is played by who is that in this one? The. I mean, I can look it up. You okay. Look it up. Magic of editing. Uh, Corey Hawkins. Oh, OK. Um, he was young Dr. Dre and straight out of Compton. Cool. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's interesting watching this trailer because the pacing of some of the songs has changed, mm. but not in a way that I'm unhappy with. Like it, it uh, makes sense for a movie to not have quite the same pacing as what a stage show is going to have. Right. Right. I, uh, <clears throat> there was a part where I had to stop myself from laughing when they were suddenly dancing on the side of the building. I'm super curious to see what's going on in that because it looks so much different than anything else we see in both of the trailers for this. And in my head, it started filling in uh, just Adam West and Burt Ward right behind them, just inching their way down the building. Oh, see, that's not what I had. I had that scene <laughs> of Into the Spider-Verse oh. where Pete's just walking up like it's no problem and Miles is just like falling. But yeah. That either one works perfectly well. I'm really excited about this because, I mean, I literally listened to this twice yesterday, like the soundtrack twice. Right. Partly because the new D&D &D campaign I'm running is at least partly based off In the Heights. Oh, interesting. It's like if you put In the Heights in Ankh Morpork. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's so, a lot of fun. It's so happy with this campaign. We only started. Yes, not important. Um, That's fun. Uh, then... Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. We don't get much here. We get some pretty scenes. I almost feel like this was the perfect trailer leading into it because I feel like I know a hundred times more than I did from the first trailer, yet I still have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yes, you have... There's more purposeful action taking place on screen, but I'm not quite sure what the purpose is. You get the feel of the movie a lot stronger of like the other ones don't really have that. We're replacing Captain America. How do mm -hmm. you do that? That this one, like you could, I very viscerally felt that response from both actors in this one, but it didn't reveal anything about the show, like real plot wise, which is, the hard line to find on a trailer. You need to tell them at least what they're going to feel watching this movie without giving away the plot. The action they've showed us so far 
looks fucking bonkers for a show. Yeah, it is top rate. I mean, they are. Super, and if that's what they're showing us, I'm wondering what they're holding back. Super credit to them for. It's what I why I'm excited for these TV shows. This looks so different from WandaVision that it just like it's hard to imagine them even being the same. That was my other ingesting. WandaVision, because it wrapped <laughs> up, was fantastic. Loved it to death. Only reason we're not doing an episode on it here is because we're doing an episode on it on Noob Island. Right. Uh, People listen to Noob Island once, once it comes out. out. <laughs> <laughs> I still maintain that the winter soldier was one of my favorite of the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. And as much as I enjoyed civil war and I actually really liked civil war, which is fun. Cause I don't really like the civil war comic book, but the biggest tragedy of civil war was we didn't get to really get the payoff of a lot of what they were building up for in winter soldier. Right. Cause you know, bringing Bucky back into the fold and Oh look, it's Sharon Carter. We're kind of, shoved to the side so they could fit all of the Iron Man and other stuff. So getting the payoff of Falcon and Winter Soldier and Sharon and just some of that feel is it's very exciting for me because that's what I wanted Captain America three to be in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Zemo. Zemo's mask is incredible. I yeah. didn't think you could do Zemo's mask. Zemo's mask. It's a it's a good mask for a comic book, but it makes no sense whatsoever. So watching them do it, you're like, oh, oh, my God, that is Zemo. Because before, like the character that they named character Zemo in awesome. Civil War. Great. But he had almost nothing to do with Zemo. He didn't right. look like Zemo. He didn't feel like Zemo other than he was a plotter mm -hmm. with confusing relationships to Hydra. Daniel Bruhl. Fantastic. Brule did great. No, I am in, and I, one of the best parts of Civil War was Brule's performance through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. The moments where I legitimately felt for him while being like, this is not an appropriate response <laughs> to anything that happened. No. Simo. Stop it. Knock it off. Therapy, my man. Therapy. So seeing him actually become Zemo is really exciting. And if they don't kill him off here, this would be a great, great place. To bring in a Thunderbolts movie or TV show. Hmm. You couldn't really do it because the moment you said Thunderbolts, everyone would be like, it's based off this little known night. Like there'd be every like 10 things you didn't know about the Thunderbolts <laughs> uh, ads everywhere, which the Thunderbolts was uh, advertised when it first came out as this new super team after the Avengers disappeared. And all of the advertisements was just, you know, here's generic new, new super team. And it turns out at the very last page of the first issue, because at first the whole thing is played straight, it's revealed that the Thunderbolts are secretly the masters of evil. The like big Avengers team. And this is a plot by Baron Zemo to publicly pretend to be basically the new Avengers so they can take over the world. Right. But it backfires because all the villains are like, people like us and this is nice. <laughs> we should just keep doing this. I don't want to rule the world, Zemo. Make for a great show, but like there's no way they'd be able to do it without giving away that reveal. They would have right. to not call it the Thunderbolts. Right. And then I don't know, I'm excited for it, but I think to cap this off, because it's a little bit weird with our current recording schedule. By the time this episode comes out, Snyder Cut will be in the world. 
we haven't watched it yet because it's still a few days before it's actually released. Did, are we still putting this out a week before or two weeks before when we're from when we're recording this? It'll it'll be out next Monday. Okay, sorry guys, but okay. So yeah, you guys will have had it for like four days, and we will get it in three days, I think. Right. Yes, three. We're not gonna watch it in three days, but soon. Soon. Um, I probably almost assuredly watch it this weekend. Uh, but we did watch the what I'm going to presume is the final trailer for it since it's out soon. Trailer number two. This trailer has done more to make me interested in watching Justice League than the past like four or five movies and all of the trailers, to be honest with you. Seeing Darkseid and having him look like Darkseid, seeing uh, this had a scope of what the Justice League can be that I've not seen in anything else. And it's Snyder, so there's still a good chance it's going to be way prettier than it is good. But Oh, it's almost assuredly going to be prettier than it is good. Because <laughs> uh, the man can craft a beautiful few frames. Just... He's just got pacing issues, and he doesn't know how to get his people to emote. I'll tell you what, he he has a new zombie movie coming out on Netflix soon, too, that is just going to be riding off the tails of Snyder Cut, and it looks good. And his Dawn of the Dead remake is fantastic. His style is built for stuff like the zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Or he did 300, too, right? Yep. Okay. And I really enjoy, I'm pretty sure that if I watched 300 today, I'd be like, oh, this is really racist. <laughs> because the comic is pretty racist. Right. But I, I remember really enjoying that movie and really enjoying, like, the entire feel of it. But it, it, 300 was not a movie where I needed to, like, emotionally connect with anybody. I need to emotionally connect with Superman, and I'm curious to see if they can do it. Because they got close with Man of Steel, but they never quite pulled it off. I'll tell you what. If I have to read another nerd on the internet bitch about them breaking the phalanx in 300. I'm going to get pissed off that they didn't do enough nerdy homework because Zach actually had a really good reason for that. What's that? Because he wanted to show both show both show the phalanx, which mm-hmm. he does for two minutes in some of the most realistic phalanx combat that's ever been shown on screen for two minutes. And yeah. then he breaks it because in Greek art, their heroes are never shown as part of the phalanx because of their art style wouldn't allow you to be able to pick out who's who. They're always shown by themselves with their compatriots in the background. Just wrecking or doing whatever they need to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Even Herodotus's, uh stories have that kind of like, they did the phalanx and the phalanx was unbeatable. And then Johnny ran up and kicked him in the crotch and it was great. Like even... <laughs> Not just visually, but uh, the the stories they told about it tended to focus on like a single person doing something cool. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense, even if historically it, it doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. sense. No, I get historically it doesn't make sense, but if you're going to get on it from just that viewpoint and not go for like this is a like a visually beautiful and resting and entertaining movie that he's doing a lot with. So why aren't you taking that into consideration in this one scene? Yeah. I will say of the three, the trailers that we watched, this is the thing that I'm the least excited for. And part of that is I don't 
one, I don't like pausing partway through a movie, like watching a movie in two parts. And you're going to because it's four hours yeah, long. Yeah, and I don't want to sit for four fucking hours watching. If you're going to make it a miniseries, make it a miniseries. If you're going to make it a movie, let it be a movie. Like, this feels like a weird halfway point of they couldn't make up their mind. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that. So uh, you haven't seen... I haven't seen Justice League. I haven't seen Suicide Squad. I haven't seen Batman versus Superman. Right. I haven't seen a few Marvel ones, but actually we're fixing all of that. For that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so having seen the original cut of Justice League, like half of that trailer is new. I heard that they used very little of Joss's stuff for this. And I think they're not using any of the re Joss reshoots for this. And even some of the stuff that technically was there before those new scenes recontextualized a little bit, mm -hmm. even in just this trailer. And I am now really curious because all the, all the early impressions also dropped today. And I know what happens in this movie. Cause I watched it four years ago when it yeah, came you've out. watched justice league before. <laughs> so I haven't been shying away from them. And I, I don't know how I'm being shown. I mean, I guess there's two extra hours of movie that I haven't seen, but it's weird that there can be so much more movie and it's still the same movie. If that makes sense. I'm super curious to see what all happens, but like, dude, just from that trailer alone, like dark side wasn't in, in it before, which Assad wasn't in it before, which is the worst choice I could think of. I mean, you're doing, you have the new gods to play with and you're going with fucking Beowulf. Yeah. I like the new guts and I don't even know who Bale. Like, uh, I like Steppenwolf. Have a, Steppenwolf. Thank you. See, I don't have his name down even. Yeah. I vaguely know who he is, but. Steppenwolf looks like he might actually have an arc instead of just showing up in a couple scenes. Like I'm super curious what the fuck's going on now. We don't, we're doing this episode, probably it'll come out about a month after this, of the Justice League Snyder Cut. And I don't plan to watch Justice League before, so I can just watch this as a standalone thing. Uh, but man, I'm super curious still. We saw Omega Beams, dude. Those looked perfect. Dark Side's like Heat Vision, but it doesn't just go in a straight line. It does crazy angle shots. Like, you... <laughs> This all completely tracked on an audio. Oh, yeah. We both did pointy things. Um, I think this movie could be fun. Don't get me wrong. I just, of the three, I think it has the biggest chance of going off the rails. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I'm I'm curious to see how much more I, even as a Zack Snyder fan, I'm curious to see if I actually enjoy it that much more. Or if I just feel more satisfied at knowing more because it's two hours longer. I find it absolutely amazing. The just the Snyder cut in general and then like people fighting that. No, you need to do another Henry Cavill Superman movie because they announced. Oh, this was a news thing that happened. They announced that J.J. Abrams and I want to say like Tiny Heasy Coats or something like that are working on a new Superman movie together. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a black Superman, which. Make it be Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Just do it. Everyone wants that already. And suddenly they're like, bring back Henry Cavill. Like, you hated that movie when it came out. Right? You know Although how I he's know? he's perfect. Oh, Henry Cavill did great. And I actually have seen Man of Steel multiple times on purpose. Like, it's not a great movie, but I it's had a fun bad. watching it. No. And there were moments that I'm like... Him flying that... That first flying, 
Uh, Russell Crowe as Jor-El, I thought was a lot of fun. And that line from All-Star Superman, the they will stumble, they will fall, but someday oh, they will right. follow you into the sun. One of my favorite Superman moments ever in a comic, and I thought they did a great job adapting it. But this is what I mean of there's no emotional connection to Superman in that movie. No, no. Um, it does have one of my favorite explanations of Superman, though. Oh, towards the very end or not like explanations of him, but like the feeling of this is what Superman should feel like of the generals driving along and Superman like drops the drone in front of him. being like, stop, stop it. No, this is annoying. <laughs> He's like, I'm here to help, but I'm going to do it on my terms. That's the I've argued this for this before. The um, the, the the like passionately uh, helpful, but on his like rebelliously helpful Superman mm. that I want, not milk toast law conforming. Right, right. The radical compassion. That's the words I was looking there for. I forgot how to say radical. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Just, you know, channel the 90s. It's radical, radical, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's it for this week's news, though. Yeah? Which was that was a weird news trailer talk. Trailer talk works. Welcome to Trailer Talk. <laughs> we review the best trailers for you. This one's a four-wheeler. I get a caravan for me, ma. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's take a quick break before we come back to the X-Men. And we're back with X-Men. I don't know what the fuck that was supposed to be, but... That was your 90s radio <laughs> star voice. And I promise not to do the whole episode this way, but I will come back to it. No, so we were kind of vague about what we're talking about, X-Men. Because we're a little vague about our entire plan for this episode. <laughs> but part of the idea was we still haven't had X-Men reintroduced into the MCU yet. Mar uh, Disney has acquired Fox... And it's all people have been able to talk about in a lot of ways when it comes to the MCU. Like, what's next? When are we getting the X-Men? Yeah, when are we getting Fantastic Four? When are we getting X-Men? We thought WandaVision hinted at both. Turns out they didn't. You and I have talked about Fantastic Four. Let's be honest. Most of the nerd world doesn't give a flying fuck. They want to know when the X-Men are coming back. Mm, there was a good portion of the world that was pretty sure that the aerospace engineer was going to be Reed Richards. That would have been good. Anyway, so before Disney can actually get around to announcing what their fucking plans are going to be for mutants, X-Men, and all of the like, we thought we'd throw our two cents in. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we'll talk about, like, why do we care about the X-Men and stuff like that first? But uh, the the overall plan of this is we have come up with five X-Men that we are, like, 90% sure are going to be in here. In some way. At least, I'm going to guess that we'll be right on at least three of the five, although I don't know which three those will be. And then both of us have come up with our own, like, wild card, who would you include X-Men? Uh, and you fancasted these, and I wanted to fancast these, and then really quickly realized that the only movies I actually watch anymore are Star Wars and... Marvel movies in a lot of ways, at least like the big tentpole movies. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Last night, that sort of hit me when I was thinking about <laughs> this. And I'm like, oh, I am now really interested to see what Zax ends up looking like, because it could just end up being possibly um, uh, 
CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths recast his X-Men? Just bring back old people who did it and be like, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not wildly against it in a few cases. No, no. Some of them would probably do fantastic jobs in some of the roles. And I have a few that, like, if they weren't already in the Marvel Universe doing this... They'd be good. Here, yes. I'll tell you what, one of my... Because I did fan cast it. One of my choices, I was like, oh, I would love to cast this person, but they have already been announced that they're going to be coming up in uh, Loki. I, I didn't even theory. write her name down because of it. I have I, a theory of someone that you're going to call out, and I'm, I'll tell you at the end of the episode if I if think I you're going to be completely advance. wrong. Um, I think you're going to be 100% wrong. Because I, I, I surprised myself with what I came up with. But I was talking with Steven, who's been on like half these shows at this point, about this, and both of us went... Tyler's going to pick so-and-so and pick this actor. And I'll tell, and at the end of the episode, we will talk about if we were, I was right or not. Okay. 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 But before we do you this. Write it down on a piece of paper. Here, write it down on this. You keep it over there to yourself. We can, we can verify this at the end. I, I'm not looking. That would make no sense in any other context. Like, if you forget about that in, like, two <laughs> weeks and find that, you're going to be like, what? Well, Why? <laughs> But before we get there, what is your history with the X-Men? Real quick, actually, before I want to guess this. Did it start with X-Men, the animated series? Technically, yes. Mine did, too. Um, we were that age. I would say, I mean, technically, I mean, it's 100% yes, but I was going to say that my entry into the X-Men is also my entry into Marvel. Does not surprise me. Um, and I count it as the, uh, book it reading program, getting, earning up enough points or whatever, reading stuff back in kindergarten and first grade, uh, to earn the VHS tape of the first episode. Night of the Mutants. It's, yes. uh, the, I had the Pizza Hut one and it mm -hmm. had an inner, had an interview with people that were huge in Marvel at the time. And I didn't realize who they were until I rewatched it years later. And it was like Rob Liefeld. And Jim Lee. What? And Stan Lee. Oh. And there's another person. And I think it's like Fabian Nicesa or something like that. Like What? It's these four talking about the creation of the X-Men and why X-Men has been important to them. And like. And that was the part I always fast forwarded through. Find it on YouTube. It's almost as good as Rob Liefeld's Le uh, Levi's commercial. Oh, yes. Uh, anyway, um, I had that episode as a two-parter. I had the first part. Or at least Pizza Hut put it out as two different VHS parts because I had the first one and my best friend had the had second, the second one. one. I think I only had, I think I only had the other one, uh, the 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 first one. Um, huh? Do you know that that was not the first attempt at making an X Men? Like they made a pilot for a different one in the eighties called Pride of the X Men. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It was all about Kitty Pride. Who did not make my list in any of these cases, which surprised me. Yeah, same here. Kind of surprised. I picked a different everyman. Kitty is such a good, like, entry man, entry woman. Also, I'm... Elliot Page did such a good job with Kitty that I don't really want someone else playing Kitty Pride right now. That's fair. It's been like 10 years. It's okay. It's It would be a good choice, but... That's fair, though. Um, God, I think mine was... Yeah, it was that cartoon... And then X-Men comics were some of the first comics I bought. Like someone gave me a Spider-Man comic and the first the first comic I ever bought with my own money was X-Men. 
And it was uh, Stephen S. Siegel, not Steven Seagal, but it mm-hmm. looks identical almost. And Chris Bacalo's The Art. And I managed to collect it years later, which is how I know that. I'm pretty sure my best friend's older brothers had a couple X-Men comics. I remember reading a couple and not really knowing what was going on uh, in the early and mid-90s. I especially remember the art style from the early and mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) One of my my other first comics was X-Men number one by Claremont and Jim Mm. Lee, which is still, I mean, it's not a great storyline anymore because Lee had a little too much control and he's not the world's greatest storyteller. Great artist. We have his art on the wall of Mm -hmm. our studio. Uh, But I still think that's one of the most beautiful books that I had just seen. Like his art is top notch. It is what inspired that animated series. And then, like, there was the there was an X Men arcade game at the time that we would go play uh, quite a bit. I put so many quarters into that. Wow, that's a weird thought these days, right? <laughs> I saw. I pumped a lot of quarters into that machine though, and I think we beat it. Me and him together. I never beat a single arcade game. I was bad at them. I was some bar. Not, not the local bar, because they mostly just... They, they, we do have an arcade bar in town, but they just let you play the game. Like, I think you can mm. maybe buy tokens, but a lot of them are just free. Just you know, Oh, yeah, they're free. on free play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but some some arcade I found once and went there and was like, yeah! And then saw how many quarters it took and really quickly went, so this is why my dad never wanted to take me to the arcade. Right? Quick aside, just because it was amazing... One year, I was visiting family down in San Diego for my birthday, and we were going to go to this big, like, activity center place. We get there, and, like, everything's shut down. Bumper cars are shut down. Like, the go-karts are shut down. Like, literally, everything is shut down except the arcade. So, to make up for it, they put all the machines on free play. Oh, my God. Normally, they weren't. But because everything was shut down, they're like everything's on free play. So I had one of the best birthdays ever. One of the beating, best days of your life. <laughs> beating arcade game after arcade game with my cousin. Oh, man. <laughs> my favorite was like Alien 3, the arcade. It's probably mm. awful in retrospect, but the, oh, the, the, gun. the shooty gun yeah. was very good. I remember that one. I didn't beat that one that day, but... <laughs> it's the closest I think I ever came. Oh. Jurassic Park, though, in the... And it was driving. Yeah. yeah. If we ever get a we've talked about making a YouTube channel for this. If we ever get a YouTube channel, we should just go to like one of the big arcades in Seattle or something. And you and I just be terrible at video games together. Oh, that'd be so much fun. And then there I'll be on it. Like one of my first comics I ever owned, like somebody just like one of my dad's coworkers, they're kid moved away to college and was just like got rid of some old shit and Mm -hmm. so i ended up getting like four or five comics and there was two x-men titles in there and the only one i remember is that one of the issues was one of the ones with the x-babies i've never cared for x-babies i don't like mojo in general very much who tends to be the villain the x-babies are associated with he is, he's a lesser known villain. He's a uh, creature from a parallel dimension and he keeps like kidnapping them and forcing them to be on his murder TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's whatever. 
X-Men is probably, like, if you look at my ridiculously big comic book collection, the only section that might beat it is Spider-Man. But that's because I'm also including, like, X-Force, X-Factor, oh. Wolverine. Mm -hmm. the, the the various, like, side series and stuff. The X-Family, as it yes, were. Yes, exactly. Because I tend to, like some of the spin-off X books better because they get a little more time and space to work with the characters than like the big X book has where they have to advance this entire huge world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I dig the X-Men just in general. Like they're always when they're bad, they're still tend to be pretty popcorny fun, but when they're good, they are probably the best superhero comics on the market. And you've heard me gush about both Superman and Spider-Man, so, like, understand how hard it is for me to say the X-Men are better when they do it better. But, like... I mean, if I'm being completely honest, when when Marvel first started working towards the Avengers, I kind of didn't care because I was never an Avengers guy. Before I was Iron an X-Men guy. Before Iron Man, no one gave a crap about most of the Avengers characters. The fact that we're living in a world... Where Hawkeye is getting a multi-million... Where Falcon and Winter Soldier are getting multi-million dollar TV shows blows me away when I stop and think about where comics were growing up. Because mm -hmm. X-Men won. Yeah. It always won. And watching Marvel be like, oh, hey, we can actually care about the X-Men again. Like, I don't... I have mixed opinions of what I've read of the John Hickman stuff so far. But... Like, it's cool that they're actually giving him that level of attention again, because once the movies started coming out, but before Disney bought Fox, Marvel was kind of like pushing the X-Men to the side. What the fuck are you doing, man? And I would. OK. And the other thing, because this ties into the X-Men, I would say that uh, both sides of the aisle of the big two have their character that they oversaturate. Wolverine. Wolvie and, and Batman. Batman. Yeah. No. And I probably have more of an emotional connection and care more about what happens to Wolverine to this day. Like, I kind of just assume Batman's going to get out of it because they've turned him into Bat God and I don't care anymore. I don't know if I agree. Actually, no, I think I do agree because when you start talking about Batman and what I thought I emotionally cared about, my answer was Dick Grayson. Yeah, I'm kind of curious in the new Batman comic, but that's a different episode. Uh, and yeah. Not enough to, like, go out for it, but... I found um big new uh, gorgeous collected edition of the Claremont Burn Run, which has, you know, like Dark Phoenix Saga and um uh they made a movie on it. The Days of Future, Future Past. Past. And I had to remind myself, no, I own both of these storylines. Like I don't <laughs> need to buy this big new expensive book for like the three issues that also are included in this. Right. Uh so I do have much Yeah, I think I do probably have much deeper connection. I don't know with Wolverine specifically, but with the X-Men that I do the Bat family. For me, I would say it, it's partially Wolverine specifically, but at this point, it's not necessarily only because of the comics. Like, Logan is hands down one of my favorite Westerns ever. Oh, it's great. It's so well done. You mentioned Bat Gods. We're going to get out there. Wolverine is Wolvie God, especially since yeah. Jason Aaron got his hands on him. And Jason Aaron loves to do crazy things with Wolverine, and they're always fun, Dude, I mean, but Old Man Phoenix is. Old Man Phoenix is amazing, <laughs> but calm it the fuck down. Um, it's amazing to read old Wolvie comics, and this is where I want them to take him in this, to, to bring us back to where we're going. Uh, 
I want Wolverine whose healing factor is not overwhelming and like he gets shot three or four times and he has to go have a lie down while he heals. Like he's not, you know, getting blown up and burned to a skeleton and then regrowing from that. That is taking it like it makes for some cool imagery, but it takes it too far. Mm -hmm. the, the healing power needs to be brought way down. Um, actually, let's let's go into it. What are your ideas? Or unless you have a different question before we get to that point. I was going to say, one, before we start, I'm just going to mention this. Uh, the week that we're recording this, some rumors have come out that there's a new series called The Mutants being made. And I neither one of us believe this theory. It was reported by a website that I've never heard of. And the only reason I'm mentioning it is it got a surprising amount of tension online. Uh, and also because the name The Mutants is really bad. It was Stanley's original plan for the X-Men, actually. The book was originally titled The Mutants, and he went, that is bad. Well, and especially after the new mutants did so poorly just recently. Just horribly, yeah. Which I still haven't watched it, and still, I, despite having heard bad things, I really want to see it. You and I are going to watch this. It's just a matter of for which podcast <laughs> we're going to watch it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's go with... Let's go over, you and I agreed between us, the five X-Men that we think are going to be there. So let's just go over those one at a time, and then we'll go through our... And then we'll go over how I went way beyond and broke the rules. And I know that you cast we an Iceman who... We both <laughs> yeah. broke rules, so we'll get through that. But let's go through our original five first, and we'll just talk, kind of talk about them one at a time, I think. Right. Uh, Cyclops? In my opinion, probably the most underrated X-Men, because everyone thinks of him... Basically, as X-Men, the animated series Cyclops, who was so stiff. Oh, yeah. Just animation-wise was so stiff. I mean, I still have a hard time liking Cyclops because of animated series Cyclops. That's fair. Uh, and Cyclops is a very stiff, uptight character. But when people have examined, like, why? There's a really fascinating character in, in all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because here is a guy that, yeah, he is stiff, but it's because literally he will murder with his eyeballs every moment he's awake if he doesn't keep everything in tight control. And as we talked about in a Word Balloons episode, so just go track down that episode where we talk about his optic blasts, his backstory is just insane. Oh, yeah. And I want... His entire family's insane. I want that. I want the Cyclops who is just like... Barely holding it together because he should be an absolute psychopath, if we're being honest, like mm -hmm. with everything that's happened to him. But instead, he is this kind of radical hero who is, you know, trying to save a world that wants to kill him. I don't have an actor for him, though. <laughs> I'll mention my actor when we get to my overall plan. OK, it'll make more sense okay. that way. Cool. I'm trying to think of who it could See, I just watched it because part of me was like, what about Michael B. Jordan? Like, that would be kind of I mean, interesting. If he hadn't already been Killmonger. He'd be pretty good at it. It would be a good. nice change up. And I believe he could play the pathos that I was just talking about wanting. Mm -hmm. uh, next, let's go with Jean Grey. Yeah. She's one of my favorite heroes in Marvel. Just overall, I think Jean, when she's not being written as a victim, can be one of the more interesting X-Men. I like Jean. Mm -hmm. The problem, I ran into this when I was thinking about who to cast 
what age should they be what history should these characters already have or not have mm-hmm. the problem with jean is she inherently comes with the question when's the phoenix come up yeah absolutely it's the it's the danger of using jean and actually tom taylor wrote x-men red a couple of years ago and he did jean post phoenix mm-hmm. where she actually mentions the phoenix held me back in a lot of ways. I'm such a powerful telepath and psychic on my own that now that I don't have to use it to keep the fiery space god in check, <laughs> try and fucking stop me. Gene uh, should be the leader in a lot of ways. Yeah. She needs to at least co-lead with Cyclops because otherwise, because she's a lot better at a lot of the leader things than he is. I had Amy, what is it? Not Amy, um, Karen Gillian. Again, using oh, Marvel okay. ones, yeah. she's already Nebula, but she looks the part in a lot of ways. Okay. Probably she's a little older than I would want now, because I would still want them in, like, late teens, early 20s, probably. And she's just, she's not, I mean, I'm not anymore. I'm throwing no shade right. with that. <laughs> uh, so, like, early Doctor Who, her, early her in Doctor Who era, Karen Gillian, I think. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Uh, Storm? I don't have an actress for her. I had a possible actress, but she's going to be for one of my wild cards, so I'll save it there. You can't really do an X-Men movie without doing Storm, if we're being honest, because if you don't, everyone will be like, well, where the fuck is Storm? Yeah, right. She is the powerful... She's the Black Panther, like... Uh, of the X-Men. Of, of the X-Men, yeah. She has that same, you know, proud black woman power that... With how much X-Men has been used to be allegory for racism, not having Storm always feels a little wrong to me. Right. I think more than Wolverine, she's the person I want on an X-Men team. Like, always. Plus, she was the one that was worshipped as a weather goddess. Like... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know who. Halle Berry did a decent job with kind of with what she was given to work with. I like those early X-Men movies, but... Again, there's not a whole lot of, like, depth and characterization to them. Right. Beast. Both the actors who have played Beast were so... Kelsey Grammer was so good as Beast. That movie, X3, was awful. But Kelsey Grammer. But Kelsey Grammer was so good. Nicholas Holt was also very good. But his Beast look was not good at all. I agree. I'm surprised. More people don't say that. <laughs> now he looked like a Muppet. Yeah, he, he looked like a Muppet. Yeah, but I mean, Nicholas Holt is great, though. So that he helps played it. a great Hank McCoy. Mm-hmm. And up to the moment, I mean, honestly, actually, I'm curious about this on you. Uh, honestly, I think X-Men First Class is my favorite of the X-Men movies, if we're not counting like Deadpool and Logan. Um, And I think I like it better than what I've seen of Deadpool, too. We're not counting Deadpool and Logan. I actually really do enjoy Days of Future Past as well, but I still might... It'd be be hard between those two. I appreciate how much Days of Future Past tries to do for that series. I liked Days of Future Past. I think I would have liked it more if it wasn't directed by Brian Singer. Mm. And I, I do think that... The fight sequences against the Sentinels in Days of Future Past are some of the best choreographed 
mutant fights in the series. I'll believe it. No, there were a lot of things I liked about it. I also thought X2 was a pretty good movie. I haven't seen it in years. It probably feels wildly primitive. Oh, X2 is so good. X2 (laughs) is so good. Alan Cumming is Nightcrawler. So good. You're right. It's very good. Um, (laughs) Sorry, where were we before we started? uh, Beast. Oh, Beast, yeah. Beast was my favorite for years. They've picked up this bad habit of Beast is the dick or Beast is secretly the bad guy kind of thing. Like, he keeps Mm. making wildly unethical decisions. And it drives me up a wall. Stop it, Beast. Because Beast is the ethicist of all of them. Like, okay, he experimented on himself and made himself a big blue monster. Like, don't do that. But also, Beast was, you know, in a run that was happening a while back where Cyclops was in, like, more and more in charge of Mutant Dome as a whole... Beast being the one being like, Cyclops, no. You can't make that choice. Like, that is wildly unethical. Uh, And even before that, when Beast was allowed to be, like, fun and funny, which they haven't allowed in several years, he's become the dour, dark, not quite mad scientist, but a little closer than we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I miss Cookie Monster Beast, who would, like, you know, dance and joke around and, like, do weird poses. That's the beast that I want. Yeah. I I mean, I just honestly I just want animated series beast. That's the beast that I want. Right, all like, the that's time. The exact same style. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> I'm just like, you guys did him great in the animated series. He's Reading. one of the better done characters in that series. <laughs> Reading with his foot, like holding mm-hmm. the book with his foot and stuff like that. Like um uh, it, it is a thing that has gone missing that I loved, which was the Iceman beast friendship because they were fun together and x-men is not always allowed to have fun and you know what we chose beast but it was a toss-up between those two as to who we were going to pick for our five and we both cast an Iceman. so yeah i thought Iceman was going to be likely has a much higher likeliness than before and i think is a good call because he recently came out as gay in the comics i say recently mm-hmm. it was like five years ago now sense of time is gone and actually, the Iceman series by Cinna Grace afterwards, that's about Iceman trying to figure out, like, well, I'm out for the first time in my life. How do I how do, how I, do I do this? Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is life? What is being a superhero now as a as an out character? And I thought it'd be a really good excuse for Marvel, who is not always who has been really bad about LGBT representation. They keep promising it and then not. Sort of backing it? off. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mantis being like, I don't even like people like you to Drax. Like, that's so vague that mm-hmm. fuck off, man. Um, so having, you know, him as a like young out gay man and still figuring out what that is would be a really great move for them to make. This is one I did cast. I went with Timothy Chalamet. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's a great choice. Right. He's got the look. Um, a little bit of typecast because they call me by your name, but that's fine. You get the heat factor coming off of that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then we've mentioned his name already. Wolvie's what puts butts in seats. I don't want Wolverine to be in it, even though I like Wolverine, but I can't imagine they're not going to use him. The most common casting I see is Jared Kiso around. <laughs> Which is really King. funny and not what I went with with my pick, but... I think I would need to watch something other than Letter Kenny to actually answer if I think that's a good idea or not. 
because I can't see Kiso as anything other than Wayne. Now, let me throw this out there because he's not my pick for this character, but uh, Kiso, not as Wolvie, but as Beast. Interesting. Again, I think I want to see, I would want to see something else. I know the perfect actor to play Wolverine, but one, he's probably dead by this point, and I don't even know what his name is. But in the movie Cool Hand Luke, with uh, Paul Newman in it, one of the one of the prisoners is like a head shorter than everyone else and like one of the hairiest dudes I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, you you would be perfect. He's looking it up here. Oh, somebody else on this uh, on this message board eight years ago had that same idea. I but... was watching it with one of my friends and went, don't you think that dude would play a great Wolvie? And he just like, that's oh. all we could talk about for the rest of the movie. Oh, wait, I might have just found his name. Let me let me look this guy up real quick. He was a former bodybuilder from what I'm seeing. Is that yeah, He's a little tiny yeah. former bodybuilder who's super hairy. Like, let's, you know, change up his hair. Buck Cartalian. Oh, my God, he was. <laughs> the guy's name is Buck Cartalian. His name was Dynamite in Cool Hand Luke. Uh, and he also was... Uh, one of the gorillas in Planet of the Apes. You can, you can see what I'm saying, though. Yeah, like, oh yeah, he's, no, he's, <laughs> he's pretty fantastic. Get like a, get like an early 30s him. I'm going to get this out there. As much as I love Hugh Jackson, Jack, Jackman, Jesus. As much as I love Hugh Jackman, I don't want Wolverine to be a sexy dreamboat. I want him to be a weird, short, hairy guy. Same, except the guy I chose is still a little bit sexy. But okay, that's fine. You could. Do you have an amazing? Look, that's, when it comes that's a to way weird, better choice than mine. When it comes to weird hairy guy, I'm not throwing any shade. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not short. But I also I don't want any of the like theoretical romance with Jean. I've never liked that plot point, and I especially don't like with her. Like, oh, I'm equally in love with both of them. It's just boring to me. Although, I kind of like in the Jonathan Hickman run, she seems to be in a thruple. And there's definite hints, at least, that he is also dating Cyclops, not just mm. Jean Grey. And that's where I go, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like, I don't, if we're going to do this, let's do this. Yes, exactly. I'm not a huge fan of it, especially if it's just, oh, Jean's dating both of them. Non-monogamous relationships are a thing, and they can work. It's just so much more interesting to me. For Cyclops and Wolverine to admit to the romantic tension they've been holding on to for longer than he has with Jean. <laughs> I, the next time Wolverine's on screen, even if they don't quite go small jacked guy like he's, because dudes, how tall is he supposed to, five, six, I think is his given height in the comics. They had to, they, they started changing it up after Jackman got the role, especially because Jackman's so tall. Pre-Jackman. Yeah, he was tiny. Yeah, he he's was... supposed to be like 5'6", built like a 250-pound bodybuilder that actually weighs 500 pounds because of the adamantium. Mm -hmm. I want them to treat him like he has mass. Yes. Uh, we don't have him on our list here, but there's a reason that Colossus picks him up and chucks him at things in the fastball special. Right. Because, ow. <laughs> not just because of those yeah, not claws. Not just the claws, but... 500 pounds of adamantium and dude coming at you. 
And guess what? You can play that for cheap laughs when he accidentally breaks a chair or two here or there just sitting in it. Great. No, there's so many things you could do with it. Wolverine could be a really fun character when he's not just sexy dreamboat Wolverine. But they usually just treat him like he has super strength, Mm -hmm. which he does. And that's how he carries around. Yeah, he's got super strength, but it's not wild super strength. You should be stronger than a person, but not... It's more because of his regenerative factor than it is actual super strength. Should be more like Cap than Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, actually, when you're talking about Wolverine this way, he becomes... I'm suddenly like, oh yeah, we should have Wolverine. Right. It suddenly (laughs) becomes a lot more interesting when you're like, he's... He's kind of unintentionally clumsy because he weighs 500 pounds and he's a short little guy. (laughs) And we say this immediately after talking about how Logan is one of our favorite superhero movies. So all love to Jackman. I just I also think that if you're going to do Wolverine after Jackman, you can't try to do Jackman again. No, no. He's not on my list and he's not on this list. But if they did a Colossus, just do the Colossus from Deadpool. I will accept no other... I mean, I would. He's perfect. Like, he's so good. So perfect. I would change nothing to that man's portrayal of Colossus. So what's... I, you didn't really have as much in the way of actors and fan casting in the way as I did. Mm-hmm. So what, what story... Like, what did you want to see? What's your X-Men? If they bring it back, what would you want to see them do? So I kind of came up with two routes of this first. Okay. So I'm going to do... One and then the other, and they could line up, but they don't have to. Um, one, we have this basic team of five. So Psych, Gene, Storm, Wolverine, Iceman. I'd have it so they'd been doing this job for a little while. Like, you could even show them fighting some of the Thanos army in secret in, like, a flashback scene or something. Mm. Like, establish that they have been operating under the radar for a minute here. They don't have to be, you know, super experienced, but they've been around. And they recruit and they bring in two new mutants. Oh yeah, who's your wild cards? Oh, this is exciting. The first one, I will actually be surprised if you've heard of her. Okay. Because she's just barely used, and her name is Dr. Cecilia Reyes. No, don't think I have. She was brought in in a comic called Operation Zero Tolerance, and she was right around, she was in right when I was reading as a kid. Okay. Which is where part of my affection comes from. But she was just a med student. She was a doctor, not even a med student. She was a full doctor, black woman, a black Latino woman mm. who had the power to make force shields completely non-offensive, just like oh, okay. I could make kind of shields around myself. And she was attacked and kind of brought into the X-Men on accident because she was attacked and they saved her and she got caught up in their adventures and she didn't want to be an X-Man but she'd be a perfect like intro character in that she's not part of mutant culture before this until she's forced to be until she's dropped into the middle of it. And then in the comics where they use her best, they actually like wrote her out and she disappeared. And there was this big arc of like a background character looking for her for years. And then she just comes back and they never bothered to explain why. Mm. But um, for a while, she just eventually she quit being an X-Man, but she just became their medic. Which is brilliant, like just having a dedicated medic and having someone who's like, no, I'm not going in the fucking field. What's wrong with you? But I can heal you because I'm a doctor Mm. and a Mm -hmm. good one. Right. But I thought that she would be fun as an intro character. And you could either at that point end with her being like, no, I'm not a fighter. 
or have her figure it out. Y'all need some help. It's a good intro kind of thing. She mm-hmm. could be a battlefield medic, which would be a lot of fun. And something that more superheroes should have. Right. Um, and my choice for her was Sinequa Martin-Green, who plays uh, Burnham on Star Trek Discovery. I'm still going to have to look her up. Give me a second. Oh, okay. Oh, her. Okay. Gotcha. I've seen her. Okay, now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen her before. It would also just be great to have a black lead, like a black female lead. We need... Marvel's been getting better at representation, but I still want to see more of it. And my other choice was originally Thunderbird, Native American, because he oh. joined during the Dave Len Wine, David Cockrum run, mm-hmm. the, the uh, all new where we first meet like Wolverine and Colossus and Storm and them. Because I want a member that doesn't join at the end. Mm. And Thunderbird dies in his second appearance, which was originally supposed to be Wolverine. Oh, they were like, these two characters are too similar. We're going to kill off one of them to set stakes. And they're like, we're going to kill off Wolverine. And someone convinced them that no, Wolverine has potential. Don't do it. But I mean, he was, I'm doing a very tiny motion with my hands here. Was He's that close. He was this close to being killed off and to seeing if they could make Thunderbird the next big one. Um, and if you did, yeah, because you'd have to kill him at the end of the story. It's kind of Thunderbird's only thing. But his little brother, Warpath, becomes a big member of X-Force and X-Men later on. So you could set up that way. But I'm also not 100% comfortable. They had uh, Warpath in Days of Future Past. Yes, they did. Mm -hmm. I love Warpath. I think Warpath is a wildly underused character. So I do like this idea for that setup. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was not 100% comfortable killing one of the only people of color in this. I get that. There was a character that I kind of wanted to kill, and then I was like... I'm not comfortable doing Maybe that. I shouldn't. Yeah. And I'm like, what does the arithmetic work out? If then I say that in the sequel, I bring someone in to replace them. Like See, that's the same thing I was thinking. Like you could bring Warpath in the next one. So uh, I went with someone who would just rage quit at the end. Cause that's how, what he always does. I went with Sunfire. Okay. I, I think Sunfire's powers are fun. They'd be a nice balance to Iceman's cause he's got the atomic fire and he's got that Kaiju mask looking thing. Right. And, He's got one of the best superhero masks ever made, as far as I'm concerned. It's wild. And I want to see, with Marvel being as good as they are of, like, comic-accurate adaptations that still work in live action, I want to see what that is. I'm not going to lie. I'm curious what the Fox Leather Daddy version of that also would have been. (laughs) It would have been like any time they tried to do a different version of Sunfire's costume... And instead of having this wild Japan kaiju costume, they give him black leather. They would have maybe done the like Days of Future Past mask, kind of like white mm. half mask on it. And it would have looked fine, but it would have been nowhere near as fun or like identifiable. All right. All right. And he would That's rage fun. quit at the end. And he would. Okay. Um, and then I actually came up with a. When I was first like, if I could do any X-Men story, what would I do? Mm hmm. I'll go through mine, and then because I know you said you went overboard, so I want to give you plenty of time for your stuff. Oh, no, that's fine. I, I'm really curious to hear yours. I would do a TV show, and it could be in the same universe as this world I just made, or it could be in a different one. Main character is Iceman. I just am really enjoying Iceman getting, like, much more to do than he's had for most of his career lately. I would have him just having come out as gay, and again, have part of his story being learning how to deal with that. I would bring in Rogue as the only other, like, major X-Man here. 
And then I would bring in Colossus, like, as a recurring character. Like, in, like, four of the episodes or something. Mm. Enough that you get some time with him. But... And my story would be, these two are leading a team of ex-kids on some kind of mission. Not even a real, not even supposed to be a real mission, just a, like, let's get the kids, like, feet in the water. And I came up with what kids I would use. And they're all from pretty recent stuff, and I'm not going to go deep into each of them. Just a, a Noel who is a kind of lizard kid who is gay, and it would be fun to have the, like, younger kid be openly gay and comfortable with himself and almost like mentoring the older guy who's his oh. teacher in real life, like the mm -hmm. other way around uh, and no way romantic. Let's not make this creepy. Right. Right. But like, uh, you know, Bobby who didn't come out until much later in life being like, I don't know how to do this. And the kid's like, I don't know how to do everything else, but like, I know how to ask out a boy. So I can give you advice on that. Like, right. Uh, Rockslide, whose real name is Santos, who is just a, He's a big rock monster of a mutant, and I think he looks great. And who were my others? I had a few. Anol and Santos were my only two, uh, and Rockslider, the only two that really stuck. Oh, Gentle, who was Wakandan. Oh, okay. So you could bring in and connect it to the wider universe. Um, and then it would end up with them having to, like, steal something. And Gambit is also trying to steal the thing, and that's how they meet Gambit for the first time. Because Gambit's one of my favorite X-Men. Yeah. When he's done right and not done in the terrible X-Men animated series that I love. I ended up using, like, I thought going into this that I was going to be like, well, obviously I'm throwing in Gambit and Nightcrawler because I love them. No, they're great. Nope. Didn't use either one of them. Yeah. Um, and then I would also have, like, oh, this was the fun part. Mr. Sinister going after them. But I wouldn't use his Marauders. Save okay. the Marauders is, like, a big threat. They're his, like, big backup team. Uh, the 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 hitman he sends out, and instead, very briefly in the '90s, Mister Sinister had a team called his Nasty Boys, uh, and I would have them as be like tryout marauders. Like you, okay. you get inducted into the Nasty Boys, and those that survive get Become put in the marauders because they're the elites. Right. Okay. And whatever the tchotchke is that they're trying to get, it could be like the Crimson Gem of Kaitorak or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that way you could bring in juggernaut because of several of the kid characters I have are like big powerhouse ones. So having them meet juggernaut, someone that they can't just punch their way through would be like a good story arc to do. And I don't know what most of it is, but the final scene of the whole season would be Bishop showing up, which I would shit my pants. If that happened, mm -hmm. I told you told me that earlier this week and I've still been thinking about that. I, I planned mine Thinking about it realistically, mine would probably end up becoming at least a trilogy, but I thought of mine with a mid-credits and end-credits, kind of like a Marvel <laughs> yeah. movie. Um, but like, if you just ended that on a TV series, I'm sitting there, and I'm like enjoying my DoorDash, <laughs> and then Bishop pops out, and I make a mess all over my couch. Oh, yeah. No, it'd be so good. Um, I love I, Bishop. I love Bishop. I didn't expect to love Bishop because he's really mm. heavy militaristic. Mm -hmm. And I don't usually care for that character. But there is something fun about a guy from the future who's teamed up with his heroes. And he's like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, I'm professional military and you guys are just wild. <laughs> I've looked up to you my whole life and I have no idea how to interact with you guys. Also, in that X-Men series I was talking about, they had some issues where they teamed him up with Iceman. 
And I really enjoyed that balance of Iceman being the like jokey, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of goofball and Bishop being this like super trained paramilitary guy who's like, Iceman, you drive me up a wall, but you were also literally one of my childhood heroes. I like it. I like it. All right. Tell me your saga that you have. My saga. Here. Okay. It's not really a, I didn't go that it's not a saga. It's, I think it breaks down kind of easy. I'm long on record of thinking at the easiest way to bring all those Fox properties in is doing some sort of riff on secret wars. Is it the best way to do it? No idea. Is it the easiest? 100%. See, I disagree only because I think the easiest way to do it is they were secretly there all along and they're just starting to be noticed. I, know, I think it's I get why a lot of people depending don't, on the characters, but I get why a lot of people don't want to do that. But like, it'd be, I just I don't want a big crossover movie dinner like to change the world and now the X Men exist. But with that, I I sort of started with that as my base, and I'm like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that the team has to come from the same universe. Mm-hmm. Wait, so do you have different X Men from different universes? Kind of. Oh, so it's like Exiles. That was a great book. Uh, so my idea is I would kind of base the entire structure off of the movie and slash the story of the Devil's Brigade. Um, I think I've brought up Devil's Brigade at least once on the show. I might I've not heard have heard of it, but ever, I don't know what it is. So I might not have ever put it in a context. Uh, Devil's Brigade is, oh, I could probably look up the year, but I'm not going to right now. It's a World War II movie. Uh like a, a movie about World War II was probably made in the 50s. It's one of those early sort of glorifying the war type movies. Yeah. And it tells the story of the first U.S.-Canadian Joint Special Forces. Oh, I have heard of this, yeah. That actually trained here in Montana over in Helena. And it's this great story of these two groups that are at the top of their game and they have way more in common than they don't. But they're having this little bit of friction because they each have to try to be the best in their own way. So I'm like, okay, how am I going to put the groups together? And like, who's the groups? We're only working with like five X-Men, seven X-Men with the wild cards. I need more. Gene, Cyclops, Beast, Iceman. Because we have four of the original founders in this. Or basically. I guess Iceman wasn't actually in it, but... uh... Well, I also wanted there to be stakes. Okay. I, I want people to be able to die. Oh, so you want the Suicide Squad by James Gunn. Kind of. Well, you're going to kill Angel really fast because he's the least interesting of the founding five. No, so what happened was for, for some of these characters, I have uh, both older and younger versions from separate universes. Oh, so we are Days of Future Pasting it. Kind of. They're not necessarily supposed to be from the same timeline, though. Okay. Like, if that makes sense. Like, in one of the universes, maybe, like, I don't know, like, Age of Apocalypse happened and the other one it didn't. That sort of thing. or And never would. Seriously, you have just changed my entire recommendation plans for this episode <laughs> based off this. So, please do go on. So, like I said, I have visual aids for you because I know that you don't know some of these names as well as I do off the top. My old Cyclops, I chose uh, Isaiah Mustafa. Probably best known as the guy from the old Spice commercials. 
and who was also <laughs> recent, and who was also really, uh, recently in It Chapter Two as the grown-up Mike Hanlon. You know what? I kind of like that we both went with a black cyclops. So early on, when I was thinking about this, I I decided I wanted black cyclops, and I never veered off that for a moment. I've never thought about it before we started recording. Until but today, I like it. Until today, because there was one other actor that I kind of wanted to be uh, older Cyclops, and I'm still going to go with Isaiah, but I kind of also really want to say uh, Steven Yin. Mm, also good. Uh, okay, next, who we got next? Uh, so my young Cyclops is just the hottest of the hot right now. I'm going Lakeith Stanfield, who just got, uh, I think just today, got uh, nominated for an Academy Award for Judas and the Black Messiah. He was in Get Out. He was in all sorts of crap lately. He is, uh, I think, one of the seasons of Atlanta, two seasons of Atlanta. I don't know. He did some Atlanta, which, alongside Childish Gambino, good old Donald Glover. Um, I'm going to start watching that tonight, actually. It's been I've on my to-do. It, but I've heard it's very good. Anyway, that's my young Cyclops. I like it. Okay. I went for Beast. For the old side, because I, I kind of framed it as old versus young for the most part. Okay. Um, Bring back Kelsey Kramer. So, old beast, quote unquote, I'm going Alan Richson, who you might know best as Aquaman, Aquaman from the from Wait, Smallville. What? What has he been in that proves that he can act? Because he's awful uh, he, as Aquaman. He was po probably my favorite part of the first season of Titans where he played Hawk. Oh my god. Oh my god. You're right. That is... And he's also comedically amazing, so I know he has range because I was introduced to him through Blue Mountain State, which is a crass juvenile comedy, but uh, is a fantastic job, and he's one of the most consistent amazing parts through it all. But I wanted my Beast to be someone that when you looked at him, you immediately thought Jock. Yeah, because Beast was originally, he needs, can he, this sounds mean. Can he play smart? I think so. He okay. can at least play more emotionally deep than he looks. I'll give it that. I just, the only thing I've really <laughs> seen You can probably him, put smart words in his mouth while he's doing the rest. I've seen him play angry, and I've seen him play like California surfer dude. Mm -hmm. And he did a good job in both of those. I'm not insulting. I actually... Well, I didn't like the character of Hawk, I did like Hawk and Dove better than I liked most of Titans from what I watched of it. Mm -hmm. So I think the potential is there. So on the young side, I didn't go young beast. I went young Iceman. Okay. Who'd you go with for young Iceman? Uh, I'm going with uh, Mark and Delicato from Ugly Betty. I decided I wanted to go uh, Latinx Iceman. And I wanted my Iceman. I, like, the stories are cool that, like, Bobby just recently came out, but I wanted my Iceman. Like, this is the new young team. I wanted him just to be out already. There was a... The, the storyline where he came out was there was the young original five X-Men living in, like, being brought to the future. Mm -hmm. And during that time, young Iceman comes out. He's actually outed by Gene, and it was bad. Mm. Bad Brian Bendis. You wrote that poorly. Um, it was really fucked up of her how she did it. But uh, having... And it was fun to have, like, young Iceman when he's, like, 15 comes out, and he's like, oh, okay, and figures it out really fast. And older Iceman's like, 
how are you better at this than me? Yeah, basically, like, I wanted this is I wanted that Iceman, like the young. He was so much fun in that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the young X Men in the future run, even though you knew it couldn't be permanent. So I'm in. Um, I've never seen this guy in anything that I can think of, but uh, I did go an old and young Storm. Okay. So my old Storm is. Uh, Yatine Badaki, who lately has been playing Bilquis on the first or the all oh, three seasons terrifying. of American Gods. I'm sure she's not terrifying when she's not in American Gods, but she's like real hot. I mean, she's supposed to be. She's real hot, but real terrifying. It makes me feel some things <laughs> that I don't usually feel. So, <laughs> uh, so she's my storm. You said the words old storm and I just had what I think is an amazing idea, but it would have to be like old storm. And honestly, I kind of feel like even though she ends up on the old side, I also feel like she's maybe not from the same universe as the other olds. She just ends up ideologically like agreeing with them more rather than the youngs. I'm just going to get this out there. If you did old storm like Logan's Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be so good. Be so good. Um, but yeah, so Yatide, and then my young storm. This one is stunt casting. Show me. I'm I'm going with uh, China Ann McLean, who's been playing Lightning on Black Lightning. All right. Um, I've not. I need to see Black Lightning. Like I really need to see Black Lightning. So you know how I said I wanted there to be stakes. You're gonna kill her. I'm gonna kill her. I'm going to kill her and I'm going to, I'm going to kill her and I'm going to kill old Cyclops. All right. So it's stunt casting. It's what it is. But I, I, once I thought about it, I'm like, eh, it's still fun though. I'd like, I'd like to see lightning play storm mm-hmm. upgrade. Yeah. Okay. I like it, man. I'm having a hard time with my gene. I have two. I just, I'm having a hard time switching between. I know, I know who Hollywood would pick and I know my pick. Okay, you if can always go back sense. with Sophie, what was it, Sophie Turner? I kind of liked that idea. I almost went with that. <laughs> I liked Sophie Turner. I just didn't think the movies were very good. So my Hollywood pick? Yeah. Especially if you're going to be going opposite like Keith Stanfield, uh, I'm going to say Bella Thorne. I can see it. She's a good... Jean is one of those ones. That she has to be a redhead. Right. No, nothing else, I mean, nothing else physically matters other than she has to be a redhead. Like, there's something about, it's just part of who she is. My initial pick, because I feel like she has the chops to pull it off, due to just even the one movie I've seen her in, but I don't think they would go for just, if you're going opposite Lakeith Stanfield and you're trying to prop this up as young, uh, Jean is probably Caitlin Deaver, uh, who is in Booksmart. Okay, I can... I've not seen that, but I can... Acting-wise, she convinced me. I don't think I could ever actually convince a studio that she should be young Jean. You know, I just had a thought, and I can't think of this actress's name, so you're going to have to help me out, of someone who would be... would have been a great Jean years ago, or she could play an older Jean now, if you want to do that. And again, not old, but... Not, you know, like teenager. Um, she was in Firefly as the as the con woman that fake marries Mal. Uh, she was in Mad Men, I think. Oh, um, 
Christina Hendricks. There we go. Yep. Christina Hendricks, uh, depending on which route you're going with Gene, I think could play a very good Gene. I didn't do an old Gene. I want, uh, I want basically her and old X to die in the process of saving the others, getting them into the safe universe. Okay. Our universe is dying, so we're shuttering off the old, like a few of them to help save this new one. Mm-hmm. I did go old and young Wolfie. Old Wolfie, Tom Hardy. Everyone wants Tom Hardy. I can see why. If you can play Venom, you can play Wolfie pretty well, probably. Plus, he's like five inches shorter than Jackman. Yeah. And we've seen how buff he can get when he played Bane. Yeah. And uh, and Bronson. And Bronson. So, young Wolfie. Daphne Keen. Daphne Keen. Laura from Logan. Uh, yes. Okay. X-23, 100%. One of the best X-Men adjacent comics of the past 20 years was uh, All New Wolverine, which was X-23, Laura as Wolverine, written by Tom Taylor, who also wrote the X-Men Red that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Just read Tom Taylor. Like, you will be good. And then my, uh, my wild cards. Mm -hmm. Straight from New Mutants, Anya Taylor-Joy is magic. All right, yeah. I probably would have picked Cannonball of that group with the Stranger Things kid, but... Mm. And the the kid that played Billy Batson in Shazam, Asher Angel, as Changeling. You mean like Morph? I mean like Morph. You know, Morph would be a fun choice for these movies because he's a blank slate for the most part. For... For reference, for people who didn't grow up watching that Pizza Hut cartoon, Morph was a character that was created for X-Men the Animated Series because they wanted to kill someone off in the first episode to set the stakes. But people really liked Morph, so they brought him back. Mm -hmm. But they're a literal blank slate character. He could change his face to look like whoever he wanted. He was uh, later brought back in the Age of Apocalypse and in a book called Exiles because they went, oh, my God, Morph is popular. What do we do with what? this? And he looks way different. He's got kind of like a blank white face in that. Yeah. But it's I like it. I like bringing in Morph there. So over the course of it, like I said, I wanted to be structured off this war film. The idea would be they're newly in this universe and kind of get the tip off that although they haven't had time to like settle and find their feet yet. Oh, I also have a, a young ex actually. I got a Lance Reddick as my young teen professor X. Where do I know him from? Uh, have you watched John Wick yet? No. Okay. Um, it's okay. I'm rapidly looking up someone else. Um, for a similar thing. Uh, Lance Reddick recently has been Caron in the John Wick franchise. He was Detective Johnny Basil in Oz. He was Philip Broyles in Fringe. Uh, Cedric Daniels in The Wire. I've not... I mean, I've seen those shows, but not enough to... Or not enough to really connect it. Cool. Okay. I like having actors I don't know in these movies... He was Smith in the Jonah Hex movie. Did you ever get around to the 
when it came out yeah. and it's bad. Yeah. That's oh, the, yeah, yeah. like what I remember of Jonah Hex is that it was bad. <laughs> he has an uncredited role as a soldier on the Manhattan Bridge in the 98 Godzilla. Oh, yes. Now that you say that. <laughs> okay. So we're just going to accept that I don't know who this guy is, uh, but I'll keep an eye on him. I did come up with a Professor X now that you've said this. Lost? Did you ever do any Lost? Bits of it. He Not did, enough to... He was four episodes of Lost as Matthew Abaddon. Eh. Who I would pick if I couldn't pick Patrick Stewart, because let's be honest, Patrick Stewart is like 80. It's time to let him go. Is Colin Salmon? Okay. Who played uh, Oliver Queen's stepfather in the first season of Arrow. And he was on Doctor Who and he's been on a few other things. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love him. He's great. He's got a great voice for it. Mm -hmm. Another one, if you can't be Patrick Stewart, you have to get someone who's going to be iconic in the role in his own way. I don't know why we have this intrinsic need to make Professor X British for a dude that grew up in Westchester, New York. Because <laughs> we did it with um, uh, uh, James McAvoy as well. Um, there is one other X I'd kind of like to see. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Tom Wells? The, no. God, what's his name? The guy that plays Wells in Flash. Tom Cavanaugh? Yeah. What? I want to see him as <laughs> Professor X. I think what? you do an amazing job. I am having trouble wrapping my mind around <laughs> that one. Like, I'm not even arguing you. I just can't. You've watched more Flash than I have. I watched like three seasons. I watched quite a bit of it. But I still think of him as like the fuck up older brother in some old Chris Evans teen movie. That's funny. That's funny. Stealing the SATs or something like that. Oh, and he was JD's brother in Scrubs. That's where I think mm. of him. But I'd want the idea to be like, they're new in the universe. They're just trying to get their feet. They've got a younger Professor X. They don't have a Cerebro. But all but Trask has also come over, and he's just about got the Sentinels going. And their their hardware does work, and now mutants exist. And they're not going to be able to go save them in time because they can't track down where they're at. So they have to take down the Sentinels first. Okay. Um, and then the idea would be like one of them, like I would have it based mostly around three major set pieces. I'm not sure what order things exactly would happen in. One of them would involve uh, Morph doing his thing to go in and try to like sneak in and get information and shit goes wrong, and that's probably when old Cyclops dies when they're saving him. I'm just imagining that bit in Into the Spider-Verse where they, like, end up in the cafeteria, and they're like, let's just try and walk past grabbing a bagel. Like, that'd be the kind of shit that Morph would pull. <laughs> there would be... I, I'm not sure how I want this to work, because I want... There would be a twist where it wouldn't have necessarily been Trask. And... Tom Hardy's regeneration wouldn't have been working right since he came over into the new universe and things get weird when he meets the new Professor X. And it's because I, my idea would be to sort of call back like uh, Wolvie taking care of X in Logan, have uh -huh. Wolvie like while the universes are closing, still trying to pull X through. And something happened and it not work. Chuck. And during that process, 
uh, a part of X would come through, or a part not quite of X would come through and start leeching off of Wolvie's healing factor. So what, like Cassandra Nova? Like Cassandra Nova. You gotta read X-Men Red, man. She's the big <laughs> villain in that, and it's the first time I've liked Cassandra Nova. And so... Uh, I want during one of the the last big dust ups, uh, like that's when Young Storm would die. Uh, Cassandra Nova would probably have contacted the younger Cassandra Nova within the Young X's self and used him to set up the Sentinel ship behind the scenes. If that makes sense, okay. As sort of like the Oh no, like we're going into this thinking, you know, this last mission finally like together as a team and we think it's going to go hunky dory and then things go wrong because this was actually against us all along. Mm -hmm. That sort of deal. And so her completely ripping free for the final battle would make us think that Tom Hardy possibly died. And then you could bring him back later if you wanted. Exactly. Uh, have, did, have we explained who Cassandra Nova is? That's a deep no, enough cut that we should say. No, that's a weird cut, right? <laughs> okay, so Cassandra Nova is the creation of Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley. And if you read comic books enough to know who those two are, that should answer your question of how fucking weird this is. Cassandra Nova was Professor X's sis, like twin sister in the womb, who he recognized even like as a not even baby yet. That uh, she well, they was, basically had a psychic battle in the womb. <laughs> she was evil, and he destroyed her. But basically, like part of her brain implanted in him and lay dormant until it could develop into a person, like fifty years later, like however old Professor X is at the end of that, and splits off and. I've never gotten a great sense of why she does what she does. She's just kind of like, my brother cares about these, so I'm gonna... Well, she's actually uh, an alien parasite from the astral plane. Of course she is. <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> and I actually love that sentence, don't get me wrong. I just And that's part of it. You don't have to go that deep into it just to be like, she's actually the one that we're doing this with the Sentinels. And turns Evil out twin uterus sister. And it turns out the information that Morph got was a little bit wrong. And the Sentinels aren't going live at this point. They're, They're already live, live when they show up. That sort of thing. And they have to team up and take out the Tri-Sentinel, which is what you not the Tri-Sentinel, the I don't know, the special Sentinel that she uses to blow up Kenosha. Which in this case would be the expansion instead. Exactly. And then that, you know, they win. Dun, dun, dun. Like, I'm, I'm having a few people die, but like they win. I'm not going for the total grimdark version. This is, It's just the war movie version. Um, I would kind of want, though, the entire time, like I, I, like I was saying, there's the, the sort of thing between the young versus the olds and basing it off Devil's Brigade and these two groups have to learn how to get along. I kind of see Daphne not necessarily getting along with either side and kind of being a loner alongside magic remind me daphne oh uh daphne keen uh, uh x23 oh yes i can see that and then you have a new mutants kind of set up or a gen x or a gen x was such a good name for a comic book that does not work after the 1990s mm -hmm. 
But I kind of see like her as being like, well, the young team are just kind of stupid. And like I identify more with the olds because I grew up in like their universe and like shithole universe and like Mm -hmm. and this would like age her real time. She's been hanging out with Alpha Flight at all this time because that's kind of the inference that that's who she gets saved by at the end. Yeah. And like same with uh, Anya Taylor Joya's magic like she doesn't really get along with the youngs because she had to grow up really quickly because that version of magic from the new mutants was sold into child slavery. Oh boy. So it's like, she's a little bit, you know, I don't want to define her as being damaged, but comparatively. Yeah. She's led a much more hard knock life than the people at the mansion Academy. But Uh, I want this to be a magic that in between the movies had studied under an alternate Aurora Monroe and is put off by joining the olds because that's not her storm. Mm. That's where you could use Whoopi. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) where you could use Whoopi. Oh my God, that'd be fun. Uh... And so, and her and her and X-23 sort of strike up their own little kinship and they're the ones that sort of have to be convinced to join back into the end fight. The hardest part of this one is you would have to, it's hard to balance, especially when you have the more experienced that the young are still like good and talented at their jobs. And even I if want, they're young and inex- comparatively inexperienced. And my sort of idea through it was I would want to like encourage the idea that this isn't like the youngs are being way too brash and the, the olds are being way too conservative. It should be the youngs are almost right on the money. The olds are being conservative because in their fleeing their universe, they experience some big losses and they're in grief right now. Yeah, that they're just overwhelmed. You could even have the the olds, as you keep putting them, be the more rash ones because they came from this post-apocalypse. Like, they know mm-hmm. what's coming kind of thing. The, the, the youngs are like, guys, calm down. Like, we'll win this. That's what we do. And the olds being like, not necessarily, man. Um, and then I'd want the, the two after credits. The mid-credits, you find out that Changeling's info was incorrect because he's a double agent for Mr. Sinister. Okay. And I want you to digitally put Asher Angel into the Nathaniel Essex School for Boys from Deadpool 2. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a Mr. Sinister cast? or a- I'm, um, fucking... No, not really. <laughs> Cranston. Uptight British guy. <laughs> oh, Cranston would be fun if you'd like change sister. What's what's his name? He played Moriarty in Sherlock. Oh, yeah, he would be fantastic. He wrote a bunch of Doctor Who as well. He's I can't think of his name, but he would be great. Um God, we're dropping so many names. And so then you also get like the the callback to the animated series where when they brought Morph back, it was because he was an agent of Mr. Sinister. He does break free again later, yeah. though, if I remember. Which is why, like, that that's why you're going with, like, Asher Angel. You can like that kid. You can want him to break free later, and you'll you'll forgive him when he finally does. Uh, Andrew Scott is who played him in Sherlock, but I actually, I have the wrong, I gave the wrong M name from Sherlock. Mm. I meant Mycroft Holmes, who wrote a bunch of... Yeah, because Mycroft was Mark Gaddis who wrote, wrote Mark a bunch. Gaddis is who I was thinking of, but I said Moriarty because Sherlock and an M name. Um, but either one, honestly, I would be 
good with. And then the final one is where you reveal that Wolfie survived. But I want him fucked up. Like, whatever, like, when Cassandra Nova rips free and does whatever the fuck she does to him, like... He's gone full feral. This is the feral. This is, like, X-23 is probably going to... Like, he's going to be the enemy coming up. Mm -hmm. Maybe not an enemy they hope to put down for good, but somebody they have to rein in and bring back to sanity. And then you could see... Oh, God, that'd be interesting for young Wolverine, too. Oh, I like that. You and I went very different routes with this, but like both of them are kind of fun. And they both break from the comics enough. Like mine's a little, mine's definitely closer to the comics, but. Yeah, I went full on like, I really like this war movie. What can I do with that? <laughs> Let's do that with X-Men. I just don't know. Like there's, there is, I don't know what the equivalent would be, but there's a really uh, iconic scene from that movie that I'd want to find some, um, way to adapt and it's a bar fight where the americans and the canadians get along for the first time as they're like taking on the local loggers it probably wouldn't be a bar actually they did go uh there's a pub i think it's called like mchenry's or something in westchester that it Mm. is known that they go to a lot so there there could actually be like you know anti-mutant bigots or something realize they're mutants trying to start stuff, and that's the first time these guys bond over beating up racists. Like, um, And then the only other thing that I would hope for is like real, real attention paid to uh, the fight choreography. I want to emphasize the fact that the X-Men, more than most of the other teams, specifically train as teams quite often. Yeah, they are not a bunch of heroes who randomly team up when it's needed. This is a squad. Right. You're not calling X-Men Assemble. They're already together. Yeah. They started that way. They're like, what are you talking about, man? Mm-hmm. Like, And so, yeah, I don't I don't know, you know, any specifics about that. But that would be my hope is that really pay attention to that shit and give the best of what combining those powers together can be. I just had an idea for a. Thing that will never happen, and now I'm kind of sad about well, it. Well, none of this will ever happen. I know, but, like, physically <laughs> couldn't happen. You know the X-Men villain Arcade. Yes. Yeah. Mid-90s Robin Williams playing Arcade. Oh, that'd be fantastic. As oh, he kind fun. of does, like, the circus performer kind of thing, and then he sends, uh, traps people in Murder World. He is the least efficient assassin of all time. He's an awful assassin. But... Robin Williams would have fun with that role. Also, I kind of want, even though there's a young X, I kind of want like old Magneto to survive. Like Ian McKellen? No, I was thinking like Werner Herzog. I don't know how I feel about that. Just Werner Herzogging it up all over the place. I don't know how I feel about that. But maybe he dies by the end too. Part of me really likes that and part of me really hates that. And I'm not sure which one's winning. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think. As much as it's not the best X-Men movie by any stretch of imagination, though it's not one of the worst either, I think X-Men 1 has the be- like one of the best movie lines presented, which is when Magneto's in prison and Charles is playing chess with him, and he's like, does it ever wake you up in the night imagining uh, someone coming to your school looking for trouble? And Patrick's were being like, yes, I do. It makes me feel great 
deal of pity for anyone who tries. I'm mangling this line, <laughs> but that that little moment mm -hmm. is one of the most perfectly encapsulated moments of like the feel of two comic book characters brought to life on the big screen. The rest of the movie doesn't do a great job, but that moment is pitch perfect. Yeah, maybe old Magneto dies in the fight against Cassandra Nova, and there's a hint that his subconscious might have merged as well, hinting at a possible movie version of Onslaught in the future. Wow. You were doing heavy cuts there. Although, <laughs> you know, she does kill Charles in this version. Having, having Magneto go die avenging Charles is a pretty good move. I saw some post of... It, it's a still from X-Men, the animated series, where he's holding Charles. Mm. Uh, and it's, you could basically sum up the X-Men as these two breaking up and making it everyone else's problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, kind of like, I, don't do it because it falls into the kill your gaze stereotype, mm -hmm. but having it that those two were a couple. Mm -hmm. And then... Charles dies and Werner Herzog Magneto kills like the person who killed Charles. Like don't do it, but do it at the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to young X would still be alive, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah. God, imagine that for young, like young X where old X is, or we're like, we're young X where he's still battling Magneto and finding out that like old man, him was a couple with him. Right. That's a weird sentence just right there. But yeah, and then, you can, like I said, you can flash the hint and maybe, like, we'll get Onslaught in the future. Onslaught's initial design was pretty solid in that, like, terrible 90s sort of way. All right, so we saved this. I was wrong. Stephen was wrong. We were sure you were going to use Bishop. Oh, and Idris? And Idris. No. The fact that you didn't even have to, the moment I said Bishop and you went Idris. <laughs> so like, you had the idea right. If you had picked Bishop, I'm sure you would have been, been like, Idris. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't pick you Bishop. You pick Idris for everyone, but this is the one where I'm like, nah, I'm 100% correct. <laughs> I toiled over this for like three hours yesterday. <laughs> I'll say the guy who played Bishop in Days of Future Past, he was given nothing to do. But he, he looked was fine. Yeah, he looked the part. Um, I wanted him to have stuff to do. Yeah. Plus, I just really liked that I was able to throw in the, the morph. Getting God, morph and Cassandra Nova. Oh, and also onslaught's your deepest cut here. But and I mean, you in that final battle also make it so that it looks like morph got killed. Yeah, inevitably. Yeah, because it's morph. <laughs> and nope, he's not killed. He's just working, he's for, working Mr. for Mr. Sinister. Sinister. Although, you could have him be killed, because Sinister had a habit of cloning his... Uh, That's true. Cloning his minions and bringing them back to life, to the point that some of them don't know if the original is alive anymore? Um, also, if you wanted to inject some humor into that, when you do the flashback, digitally putting him in the Nathaniel Asik School for Boys in Deadpool 2, have Deadpool notice. You're like, hey, what? He wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. Ryan Reynolds would do that in a moment. Yeah. So <laughs> He's probably doing it right now anyway. Yeah, he's just adding people in so he can do little cutscenes. Uh no, that's that's my overly bloated long plan yeah, for my No, that's we are pretty bloated here, but it could be fun. 
that's never going to happen. Oh, unless, no, it's, like, none of this is going to happen. My, But, like, Disney Marvel, if you're listening, like, I would be happy to change my job into fleshing out this idea. So. We've mentioned it before. We are available for hire for creating comic books. You should trust us. Neither of us have ever published anything. But I got ideas. I got a page of ideas. Between that and our uh, Adam Strange versus... I got a billion uh, dollar cast right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's why I'm saying we'll do it in comic form. Comic form. Actually, you know, quite a few of these you wouldn't be able to you'd be able to get for hundred million dollar cast, yeah. you know. <laughs> Most you're paying for on this is Lakeith Stanfield. I feel like Tom Hardy, you're paying a Ooh, lot of money. Okay, Tom Hardy, yeah. Do we have any recommendations? So when I was thinking about the fact that one of my requirements for seeing the X-Men brought to life as a team in a way that I enjoy is the fight choreography. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about fight choreography I enjoy, so I'm going to recommend two, like, I don't know, 15-minute videos on YouTube. Oh, cool. Uh, one of it is Haloid by Monty Ohm. I feel like I've heard of that one. It, was, it went semi-viral super back in the day before viral was a term. Okay. And it's a fantasy fight of... Uh, a Spartan from the Halo series versus Samus from Metroid. I have seen that. It's been, it's been year. I forgot about that. Monty Ohm then went on to, well, I also watch his Dead Fantasy series. That runs a little bit longer, and it's uh, Dead or Alive characters and Final Fantasy characters just in giant fights. And there started to be a storyline, but then he never got to finish it, uh, partially because he did unfortunately pass far too early complications from an allergic reaction during a surgery. Oof. But he also, uh, midway through doing Dead Fantasy, was hired by Rooster Teeth and started doing some stuff for them. He did all the choreography for the first season of Ruby, their anime, which is not bad. The best part is the fights. Uh, and super notably, the other video that is my actual recommendation, and it's the, I mean, I think if you just put in like Tex badass fight red versus blue, it's what pops up. It's the character Tex taking on both the red and t blue teams but, in one of the episodes. I, oh, I think I've seen that. And it's fucking astounding. <laughs> it's some of the best fantasy choreography that all technically kind of fits within lore so for what spartans could theoretically be able to do nice. some of his other fantasy choreography physics aren't involved whatsoever that's fine but purely visually it works astounding and uh like there's entire legions of people that weren't aren't able to do the things he did and he's i don't know dead far too young but these videos are astounding so okay um, I had a few other X-Men stories, as I mentioned, but most of them are not that surprising. So I'm going to go with, because you made me think of it, a book called Exiles, originally by Judd Winnick. Uh, it is different X-Men from different realities. So it's got like Blink from Age of Apocalypse, a version of Morph that's alive, a version of Mimic, who is actually the first person to ever join the X-Men other than the original five. Mm. But he was awful and got 
fired from the team. <laughs> like really, he was he was basically a criminal that kind of blackmailed his way onto the team. Oh, okay. Uh, and he could mimic the power of any five mutants around him. Oh. And he spent enough time around the X Men that he spent uh, that he permanently got the original five X Men's powers. Oh shit! He was on for like an issue, maybe two, before they got rid of him for being a criminal. Uh, but in this one, he he wasn't, and he actually became like a hero. Uh, you have a version of War of uh, Thunderbird who was turned into one of Apocalypse's four horsemen. Mm. Like, and, and they're just going from reality to reality, trying to fix problems to try and fix parts of the time stream because they are the result of like blips in the time stream. So, you know, instead of becoming the hero he's supposed to be, he dies. Or, you know, instead of defeating Apocalypse at the end of the Age of Apocalypse, Apocalypse wins. And so they have to like fix these timelines to try and Doctor Who timey wimey get to mm -hmm. a place where they can fix their own. Mm, okay. And a lot of people die. Like it is, it is a surprisingly high body count for uh, X-Men. I mean, even for X-Men and when they're dead, they're dead. dead. The series goes a little off the rails, but the first like few volumes, like the Judd Winnick run is some truly excellent storytelling. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, we actually know what we're doing next time. Yes. Don't we? we actually know the next like three, but next week, we will be watching um, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. We'll talk about some Bruce Campbell. Which, finally, we've been talking about doing Bruce Campbell stuff since before this podcast started, because you and I love us some Bruce Campbell. Um, we're not sure. I doubt it'll be the whole series, but probably the first like few episodes. We yeah. will tell you when we get there. We'll watch some and decide. Yeah. Who knows how much we'll watch. I'm probably going to end up watching a lot. But. Oh, yeah, but, you know. I might end up watching it all. I don't want to do a whole season in one episode, though. That's a lot yeah. to talk about. That's uh, fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm just excited for some Bruce Campbell in our near future. Yeah. And, and I think we that's love it. you all. Yeah. Uh, we're your Generals of Nerdery. Check in next time. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it as the whole world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.